2 Timothy 4, verse 16 through 18. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Good evening and welcome again to our worship. We're grateful for your presence. As always, we are thankful for the opportunity to be together to sing these beautiful hymns. We're grateful for the privilege of prayer and for the opportunity that we have to study. As was mentioned a moment ago, if you are looking for a church home, we do want you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and work and worship with us in this area. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, the passage that Brother Dio read for us just a moment ago. And I want us to think for a few minutes about the theme, God will not let you down. And as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, I think that that fact is borne out. Many of us have probably been let down in times past by friends and family members. I suspect that all of us who are present here tonight have been disappointed at some point in time in life when someone very close to us has let us down. Well, there is, I think, a great deal of encouragement to be had in examining what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because if there is one truth that is borne out in this chapter, it is the fact God will not let you down. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at what is recorded for us by Paul in his closing letter to Timothy. The first thing that I call your attention to is the reservation of the people. In verse 16, the Apostle Paul simply lays out his problem. And his problem is very simple, and yet at the same time, complex. The problem he faces is that he has been forsaken by those about him. Note what he says in verse 16, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. Now, as I think about Paul penning this letter, it would be good for us to remember that he is now imprisoned in Rome. It may have been the case that the prison cell in which he was abiding was cold, maybe it was damp, but nonetheless, he was imprisoned. Some six years earlier, he had been imprisoned, and while in prison, he penned four prison epistles. But now Paul approaches the end of his life. And as he nears the end of his journey here on planet earth, he speaks of the fact that those about him have forsaken him. Back in chapter 1 verse 15 when he wrote to Timothy, he said that all those in Asia were turned away from him. Now I don't know if, I don't know if in times past you have been forsaken by friends and family members. I don't know if people have disappointed you in days gone by. Very well may be the case that they have. But when you look at this letter, you read 
the heart of a man that had been forsaken. And I think about all of the friends and confidants that Paul had during his missionary efforts. I go back and read Romans chapter 16. And I'm reminded of that great host of people that enjoyed a very special kinship with Paul. And yet now he's writing and he's saying that all have forsaken me. wonder why they forsook him. A couple of reasons possibly. Number one, maybe they forsook him out of fear. Nero Caesar was on the throne and he was a very vile and inhumane emperor. Historians indicate that in 64, he burned a portion of Rome. And basically, the blame fell on those who were following the Lord. And so Nero apparently did not have much use for God's people, New Testament Christians. And so maybe in light of his evil work, people were simply fearful of stepping up to the plate and getting involved, vouching for his character, vouching for his labors. On the other hand, it may have been the case that there were some who were simply fickle. There are times when we speak of friends and we call them fair-weather friends. And the reason we say that is because they're not like the kind of people that Solomon wrote about in Proverbs 18, verse 21, when he said, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There are some folks, they're with you when things are going well. When you're not facing any kind of adversity or any type of problems in life, they're right there with you. But when the trials of life and the adversities of life begin to mount, guess what? They flee. I'm reminded of the close friendship that existed between Jonathan and David in the long ago. And yet in Psalm 142, the psalmist said on one occasion, when he looked to his right hand, no one acknowledged him. In Psalm 142, verse 4, he said, refuge has failed me. And then you hear the despair in his words, no one cares for my soul. Here is Paul imprisoned, and he's writing to Timothy and he is laying out before Timothy the fact that all have forsaken him. And so that was really a great dilemma, a problem that he was facing. But then also we think about his plea. And when you look at the plea of Paul, I think you have to read into this a forgiving spirit. Note what he says. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Paul was the kind of person that practiced what he preached. When you and I talk about Christianity and we talk about living the Christian life, is it something we merely profess or is it something that we profess and practice? When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4 verse 32 and Paul wrote to the Ephesians in prison, and he penned this book in A.D. 62. I made reference a moment ago to the prison epistles. 
But when he wrote to these saints, he said, Be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Paul was willing to put into practice what he penned by inspiration. And all of us would do well to put into practice the teachings that are found in the New Testament. And so Paul's words, I think, strike a chord with those of us who are God's people. Even though these people had forsaken him, even though they would not stand up and be counted, while he was under duress, his plea, well, don't lay it to their charge. Do you remember when Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7? The Bible tells us that after they had stoned him, Stephen cried out to the Lord. Do not lay this sin to their charge in verse 60 of chapter 7. Again, a forgiving spirit. And so we think about the reservation of the people. But now I want you to think with me in the second place about the preservation of the preacher. Because here we come face to face with this idea that God will not let you down. It is true, his friends, maybe his brethren, had let him down. But that wasn't the case with God. The first thing that I call your attention to as we think about the preservation of the preacher is the fact that Paul, as a servant of the Lord, as a Christian could look at the Lord as one who provides. And so we think about his provider. Note verse 17. There are two things that he says about God. Number one, he said, in light of the fact that at his first defense all men had forsaken him, in verse 17 he writes, but, but the Lord stood with me. Now you just think about here is Paul writing from a prison cell and basically for all intents and purposes he has been abandoned and yet he says, but the Lord stood with me. I can assure you that friends and family members may not stand with you when the going gets tough. But I promise you God will. God will never let you down. And when Paul wrote to Timothy, and Timothy was his own son in the faith, Timothy was a young evangelist, and Paul here is writing, closing out his work of inspiration, and he said, listen, the Lord stood with me. Is it not the case that the Lord has promised to be with us, to stand by us? Take, for example, what Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. When he said, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then he said, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No time... In our sojourn here on planet earth, will the Lord abandon us? He's just not going to do that. Now, we may choose to abandon him. We may walk away from the Lord, from his goodness and his blessings, but God is not going to abandon us. And then also in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, the writer said, speaking of the Lord, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? Here was Paul saying, The Lord stood with me. But then also note what he says. Not only did the Lord stand with him, but he said the Lord strengthened him. He said the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Now again, think about what Paul had penned earlier during his ministry. We go back to another prison epistle, the book of Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, In nothing be anxious. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your, well, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's confidence was in the Lord. And even though he may have found himself in difficult circumstances in life, He had learned long ago to turn his problems and his difficulties over to the Lord. Think back to Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were imprisoned. They had been beaten. They had been, their hands had been placed in stocks. And the Bible says in Acts 16 verse 25, at midnight they prayed and sang praises to God. Now you tell me. Did Paul believe what he penned? Absolutely. Did he live out in his life what he preached, what he taught? You better believe it. And so in chapter 4, verse 13, when Paul wrote to the Philippians, here's what he said. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I think one of the sources of strength that we enjoy as God's people is knowing with all assurance that the Lord will stand by us come what may. It doesn't matter what we face in this life, the Lord is going to stand. He'll stand by us through thick and thin. So we think about his provider, but then also note his protector. He said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. I think about how the Lord spared Paul. Now, some have questioned in this particular passage, was Paul talking about being spared from the literal mouth of a lion? That may have been the case. It may have been that he was spared from being thrown to the lions, as some Christians were in the first century. Others have said that When Paul speaks here of being delivered out of the mouth of a lion, he is using figurative language to denote being delivered out of the hands of Nero. Well, whatever the case may be, 
Paul acknowledges, acknowledges the fact that he was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And then he said, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse 2, his prayer was that God would deliver him from unreasonable and wicked men. Paul had his adversaries. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul and you think about a man who stood foursquare on the gospel, who was willing to preach and teach come what may, well, it just stands to reason that he was going to face some difficult times. For example, note what he says in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm or much evil. May the Lord repay him according to his works. And then he admonishes them, you must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. When Paul and Silas went to the city of Thessalonica, the Bible tells us in verse 6, that the charge was made, these men that have turned the world upside down have come here too. And they were literally run out of town. And so you're talking about an individual that faced some difficult days. And yet the Lord spared him. But then there is a third thing I think we see as we contemplate the preservation of the preacher. And this has to do with the fact that the Lord preserved him the Lord preserved him and the Lord would save him know what he says in verse 18 and the Lord would deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom to him be glory forever and ever amen now how do you think the apostle Paul knew that the Lord would save him that he would preserve him for that heavenly kingdom I think it was on the basis of what he penned back in verse 7. If you pick up in verse 6, he said, I'm already being poured out. The time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that death was imminent. Historians indicate that Nero Caesar had the apostle Paul beheaded. And so he knew death was on the horizon. And so he's basically writing... In this last chapter to encourage Timothy. And so in verse 7 he writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now we talk about confidence as Christians. And let me just pause here and ask, how confident are you in your Christianity? Sometimes we live under the cloud of think-sos and maybe-sos. There are times when we do not feel confident as a child of God. We live under this cloud of hopefulness. Well, we hope the Lord will save us. We think the Lord is going to save us. Is that what Paul said here? No, Paul is looking death in the face. And he says, in the long ago, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. All right, in light of that, what's before me? Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Now, that's the kind of confidence as God's people we need to have. You see why Paul could go through life with such confidence? Do you see why he could write to Timothy and say, The Lord will preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. If you and I keep the faith, if we finish the race, in short, if we live in accordance with the precepts set forth in the New Testament, then we can echo these words with Paul. We can say there is laid up for us a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto us on that day. So Paul was certain about his salvation. Paul lived with boldness and confidence. And I think as God's people today living in the 21st century, we need to have that same spirit of confidence. Too many times in in our Christian lives, we lack the boldness and confidence that brethren had in the first century. We're God's people. We enjoy every spiritual blessing known to man in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.3. Among which, according to Paul, is the forgiveness of sins. We enjoy all of these great blessings. We have God at our side. The question is, why do we live... With a timid spirit. Sometimes life can be very difficult. And I have no doubt that Paul faced some difficult days while on planet earth. But Paul had something that many of us lack and that is he had confidence in the Lord. And he understood that the Lord would not let him down. And my encouragement to us is we need to live knowing that God is not going to let us down. Friends may disappoint you. Family members may likewise turn their backs on you. But God will not. I said a moment ago, you may turn your back on God, but he will not turn his back on you. If you leave... You are the one that made the decision to leave. God is where he has always been. And God said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And so we need to live with that kind of confidence. In closing, let me just ask this question. When you look at your life, if you were to just take a mental survey of your life. Are you pleased with where you are right now? Are you pleased with how life is going right now, this very minute? If your answer is no, my question would be why? Is it because you've been forsaken by friends and family members? Is it because you face difficult days and you have felt as if no one was standing with you? Let me tell you, if you're not a child of God, I want to encourage you to obey the gospel tonight. 
Because one of the great assurances that you will have is knowing the Lord will be constantly at your side. He is a great provider. He is a great protector. He is a great preserver. And so if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to do that tonight. Because you see, without obeying the gospel, you can't make the claim that Paul does, that there is laid up for you that crown of righteousness. Now, what would you need to do to become a child of God? Well, just what Paul did. Paul was instructed by Ananias in Acts twenty-two sixteen to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Our baptism is preceded by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by repentance and by confession. That is, we confess the name of Jesus before others, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37. Now, when you do that, you become a child of God. That is, you become a New Testament Christian. The Lord adds you to the church, the ecclesia, the community of the saved. And the beauty of that relationship is the Lord is the Savior of his body. Ephesians 5.23 Now, if you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, could we encourage you to come home? Think about some of the relationships that you sustain here on this earth. You may have some quality relationships while on this earth. But if your relationship is impeded with the Lord, you're not going to be happy in life. And that's why you need to make some changes. And my recommendation is make those changes today. Make them tonight. Make the decision right now that you're going to turn from the world, from a prodigal lifestyle, and that you're going to come back home to the Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. So tonight we ask the question, are you living as a Christian? Are you living faithfully? If not, would you come as we stand and sing?